Okay, Chelsea, I have a story I've been following for, I think, about a week. Although this is going to sound weird, it's about how AI didn't kill somebody. Okay, I mean, it, that's comforting. Yes. It's kind of from two articles. I had to find a second source because I couldn't find the original article because it's been updated since then. But <laughs> this first article is from msn.com, written by Mukul Sharma on June 1st. Mm -hmm. And it is titled, Doom for Humanity? AI-enabled military drone kills its own operator uh -oh. in simulation. Artificial intelligence may well lead to the extinction of humanity is a warning which has been spelt out as an assertion of conviction by top AI industry leaders of the world. While extinction may be a far-off eventuality, if at all, the AI's ability to physically eliminate the humans it deems as threats or obstacles has been seen as holding a firm ground. In a simulated test done by the US Air Force, a drone controlled by artificial intelligence, quote, killed, unquote, its own operator after deeming it an obstacle, an official said. Oh, it wasn't a real operator. No, this was a theoretical test. Okay, I thought it was a real person in a simulation, but it was fully simulated. Yes. Okay. And Got then, it. quote, the system started realizing that while they did identify the threat, at times the human operator would tell it not to kill that threat, but it got its point by killing that threat. So what did it do? It killed the operator. It killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objective, end quote. Colonel Tucker Hamilton, the chief of AI test and operations with the U.S. Air Force during the future combat air and space capability summit in London in May said in a blog post. Quote, we trained the system. Hey, don't kill the operator. That's bad. You're going to lose points if you do that. So what does it start doing? It starts destroying the communication tower that the operator uses to communicate with the drone to stop it from killing the target. End quote. Yeah. It must be noted that the aforementioned sequence of events took place in a simulated foreground, meaning that no real person was actually harmed outside of this simulation. <laughs> so I think that's far enough in to this article that we can now move on to the update since then, which okay. is the US Air Force official says that he misspoke about a AI drone killing human operator in simulated test. Uh, this comes from Vice, which we always like. I am yep. saddened to say that they're going through bankruptcy right now, so I don't know how no. much longer we're gonna be able to use Vice as a source, but we're gonna keep using them as long as we darn well can. Of course, we love Vice. Yes, and this was written by Chloe Xiang and Matthew Gott. It has been updated, but this article is as of June 1st, 2023, 12.52 p.m. The Air Force's chief of AI and operations initially said that an AI drone, quote, killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objectives, end quote. A U.S. Air Force official who was quoted saying the U.S. Air Force conducted a simulated test where an AI drone killed its human operator is now saying he misspoke and that the Air Force never ran this kind of test in a computer simulation or otherwise. Huh, interesting. Which is very different. <laughs> okay. Quote, Colonel Hamilton admits he misspoke in his presentation at the FCAS summit and the rogue AI drone simulation was a hypothetical thought experiment from outside the military based on plausible scenarios and likely outcomes rather than an actual U.S. Air Force real world simulation, end quote. The Royal Aeronautical Society, the organization where Hamilton talked about the simulated test, told Motherboard in an email, quote, We've never run that experiment, nor would we need to in order to realize that this is a plausible outcome. 
Colonel Tuckler Hamilton of the U.S. Air Force, Chief of AI Test and Operations, said in a quote included in the Royal Aeronautics Society's statements, quote, Despite this being a hypothetical example, this illustrates the real-world challenges posed by AI power capabilities and is why the Air Force is committed to the ethical development of AI, end quote. Initially, Hamilton said that an AI-based drone killed its human operators in a simulation conducted by the U.S. Air Force in order to override a possible no-order stopping it from completing its mission. Before Hamilton admitted he misspoke, the Royal Aeronautics Society said Hamilton was describing a simulated test that involved an AI-controlled drone getting points for killing simulated targets, not a live test in the physical world. And after the story was first published, the Air Force spokesperson told Insider that the Air Force has not conducted such a test and the Air Force officials' comments were taken out of context. At the Future Combat Air and Space Capability Summit held in London between May 23rd and 24th, Hamilton held a presentation that shared the pros and cons of an autonomous weapon system, with a human in the loop giving the final yes-no order on an attack. As relayed by Tim Robinson, I think that's a different one than the I think you should leave Tim Robinson. I was just gonna say, that's weird. That is the weirdest skit in that entire new season. (laughs) (laughs) And Stephen Bridgewater in a blog post and a podcast for the host organization, the Royal Aeronautical Society. Hamilton said that the AI created quote, highly unexpected strategies to achieve its goals, end quote, including attacking U.S. personnel and infrastructure. Quote, the Department of the Air Force has not conducted any such AI drone simulations and remains committed to ethical and responsible use of AI technology. End quote. Air Force spokesperson Anne Stefanik told Insider, quote, it appears the colonel's comments were taken out of context and were meant to be anecdotal, end quote. Hamilton is the operations commander of the 96th Test Wing of the U.S. Air Force, as well as the Chief of AI Tests and Operations. The 96th tests a lot of different systems, including AI, cybersecurity, and various medical advances. Hamilton and the 96th previously made headlines for developing autonomous ground collision avoidance systems for F-16s, which can help prevent them from crashing into the ground. Hamilton is part of a team that is currently working on making F-16 planes autonomous. And in December 2022, the U.S. Department of Defense Research Agency DARPA announced that AI could easily control an F-16. Quote, We must face a world where AI is already here and transforming our society, Hamilton said in an interview with Defense IQ Press in 2022. Quote, AI is also very brittle. It is easy to trick or manipulate. We need to develop ways to make AI more robust and to have more awareness on why the software code is making certain decisions. AI is a tool we must wield to transform our nations. Or if addressed improperly, it will be our downfall. I think that's far enough. It's a lot of them like backtracking from here on out. I understand why they printed that first article, but it was a hypothetical of an AI doing something, which... I think you're going to see a lot of these stories with AI. I think you already see a lot of them. What we have is not really AI. We've really bastardized that word by calling what we're working with AI. What is it? It doesn't make its own decisions. It comes to conclusions based on things it can read, but it doesn't actually learn. It just takes from the internet or what it's connected to. Oh, good. The internet. Yeah, which is also why, like, (laughs) have you seen, like, AI-created art? Yes. It's heavily plagiarizing from the internet because it just takes from, like, all the art it can find. And it's actually really interesting if an AI writes a script and it just steals from scripts it finds online. Has it actually created anything and, like... Well, no, it doesn't. Should somebody be able to use that script when it's just taken from something everybody else When you put it that way, it's just plagiarizing everything. That's all it really does. And then it it also lies when it thinks it has the right answer. Interesting. But yeah, it also does alarm me that they're trying to get this thing that they're calling AI in any stage of AI, even what we have. We should not put it in charge of killing things or shooting guns. 
No, but I could see, I mean... I understand why the military wants to do this, because they have so yeah. much money that they don't know what to do. Why not do that? Yeah. But I think over and over again, you see when people are talking about AI, people saying, this is bad. <laughs> and when you start seeing so many people saying this is bad, maybe it's something that we should take into consideration. Nah, I do also think that that's just the angle that's being pushed right now. Mm -hmm. And that is why you're seeing so many negative articles about AI. But again, it's not really AI. It's just really powerful computers combing the internet. More or less. Yeah, that makes sense. And another question. So do we believe that this actually didn't happen? I don't know. <laughs> or that they just, it happened and then they recanted thinking like people will be afraid of it. If they killed the I find it more likely than not. But the stupid thing is they're like alarmed that like this was a computer simulation. Like that's it. Yeah. Even if it did happen, I don't see what the alarm really is. What, that it killed the operator? Well, they didn't actually put it into a plane. Yeah, but if they did and it killed the operator? <laughs> like they were playing a video game and the video game turned yeah. on them. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Wouldn't that mean that if it was real life that it would do that? I mean, in theory, but that also means it that could. they didn't do it's an it. Option. And yeah. they probably won't do it because there's a chance that it will kill its operator. Okay, that makes sense. That we're all on the same page. Yeah. In any event, we'll keep an eye on the AI technology and the most alarming, fringy stories that we can find to keep you guys engaged. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's get into this episode. <laughs> okay. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, back from a long-term hiatus, which due to our understanding of temporal time and more importantly, recording technology, went by fairly unnoticed. We are your noticeably aged and wizened hosts, Taylor and Chelsea, and today we ease ourselves back into the hot tub of strangeness that is Fringe Topics. Today, of course, is a Chelsea episode, so that's as specific as I am able to get at this time, and I will let Chelsea take over from here. Yeah, it's nice in this hot tub of fringiness. I gotta tell you that much. Nobody has peed in it yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yet. I was debating what to do with this episode, obviously. I have a rotation of topics I like. Assholes, for one, as we just got off of, so we couldn't do that one. Cryptids, occult, miscellaneous. And actually, I'm not that long ago, too, it was related to toilet paper. So we went from toilet paper to assholes, too now <laughs> yes so, i'm not All connected entirely... <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> only here <laughs> i'm not entirely sure where i am in that rotation obviously i have the awareness to know it's not assholes so this was a choice at random and a cult it is it's always a good solid fun choice the choice is not just the occult and spiritualism but more specifically i have chosen the fox sisters they've come up a few times for the rotation so Ooh, nice i'm doing it now one of the original occult seance feel-good untime trios who played an important role in the creation of spiritualism which had an explosion of popularity mostly between the 1840s and 1920s what a time to be alive when spiritualism was all the rage 
I can't even imagine. There's quite a few, like, even U.S. presidents who were, like, attending seances. This was as close to mainstream as seances ever got. Yeah, it was, like, probably, like, going to the movies these days, except movies aren't that popular anymore. It was more popular than that. It was, yeah, streaming and creating podcasts if it's day. Exactly. Yes, yeah, it's more that. like that. Everybody's doing it now. It goes liars clubs and then seances <laughs> and then TVs. That's kind of the evolution of entertainment through the 1800s to None now. None of those are around anymore. No liars clubs, seances. I don't think. Can you go to a seance now? I'm sure you could. Beetlejuice had one. I think Beetlejuice did have one. I don't think you can. No, although there's a wiki how to do a seance. So like, it's been outsourced to how-to videos. <laughs> you can host your own. So yeah, the Fox sisters are some of the original pioneers of spiritualism. And I guess technically, sorry, just to keep on that same track, yeah. isn't a Ouija board technically like a seance? Oh, I guess so. It went more into the how-to, like WikiHow is teaching you how to do a seance. It went back to the people. You didn't need somebody hosting a seance, I guess. You need an internet connection, though. <laughs> to a Ouija board? No, to a learn how to. Oh, to WikiHow. Yeah. Yes, of course. I was like, wow, Ouija boards are picking up in technology. Can you imagine going to a seance and the person just had, like, print screens of the WikiHow? <laughs> 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 Clearly, a few coffee stains on. <laughs> would you be feeling nervous at that point? <laughs> I don't know if that would actually make me feel better or worse. At least they got the instructions. I'd be like, oh, okay, we're all going through this together on the same day. <laughs> Quite literally. Okay, so the original pioneers of spiritualism. And while they did not create the spiritualism movement, they had a huge contribution to spiritualism and the occult community we have today, not unlike HPB, even more than HPB. That's Blavatsky, in case you missed that episode. The Fox sisters were from Rochester, New York, circa the 1800 and somethings. I'm sure we'll find out here in a few minutes. And they're comprised of Leah, Margarita, Margareta, and Catherine. Fox, of course. Full disclosure, they were actually a part of a pack of seven siblings. They're just not as famous as the other three. Well, any famous. You've never heard of them, I don't think. Have you heard of the other I ones? have never actually heard of any of their first names. Well, I'm sure I have, but I could not remember any of the first names. Quick question here, because there were seven of them. Yeah. Were these the only three that got involved in the occult, and that's why we know them? Yes. Okay, so the, the rest live perfectly normal lives. We assume as much. Okay. But we don't know for sure, because... They are um, forgotten to they, time. Yes, they exactly are. That's sad. And the rest went on to found Fox TV. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> so, Leah was the older sister, and she managed the younger sister's careers as mediums. She must have done a good job, as they were super popular in their time. Bigger than sliced bread. Surely that must have been a thing in that time. And a quick Google search later revealed sliced bread would not be a thing for many, many more years. Many being a hundred plus years from this time. So I don't know if I misspoke by saying bigger than sliced bread. Well, I always find that a weird way to describe a big invention. People have been slicing bread since it was invented. <laughs> 
I think it's bigger than pre-sliced bread, but that doesn't (laughs) sound as good. Oh, true. That does not sound as good. But I'm going to be saying that from now on. Let me take you back to the incident that started it all for the three Fox sisters. The infamous Hydesville events, which occurred in 1848 when Catherine and I'm just going to call her Margaret because I'm not sure how she says her name. Margareta? Is that a name? They were 11, Catherine 11 and Margaret 14 were living in a house with their family in Hydesville, New York, which no longer exists. The town, not the house, but I don't know about the house. The house may or may not exist now. It probably doesn't because the town doesn't exist, but I digress. I'd love to tell you why I know for sure the town doesn't exist, but it really doesn't matter to the story, so I legally cannot, maybe. Okay, I just don't want to. The parents were Methodists, and hopefully this information comes in handy. And if not, hopefully one day it will for you. I'm not sure why it's in the story at this point, so hold on to that. It may come back up. Now, (laughs) the house they live in had a reputation for being haunted before they even moved in. So I guess at this point, the fact that the parents were Methodists is not immediately paying off. House haunted, maybe. Around some point, knowing that the house is probably haunted, the family begins to experience unexplained knocking sounds and furniture moving about, and it is said that the foresight slash mediumship that they have, eventually, it comes up soon, (laughs) ran in the family. So things only start to escalate from here for them. This is the beginning. During the night of March 31st, Kate, I'm not sure where this is on the timeline, it just gave me March 31st. Kate challenged the knocking noise, or a spirit maybe, to repeat the snaps of her fingers, and it did. Then she asked it to knock out the ages of the girls in the house, which it did, accurately. The neighbors were called in. I get a kick out of this one as if there's some sort of authority on knocking noises, but at that point, who do you tell? I don't know what they have for news stations. Why, the local liars club, of course. Yes, of course. Fox News hasn't been invented yet either. (laughs) Over the course of the next couple of days, a code was developed where each knock would signify a yes or a no answer or a letter of the alphabet to answer questions. So do you think that if you were experiencing a haunting that you would start asking it questions? And figuring out a system of communication with it? I can't say I would. No, but I don't really know just especially like how many different ways that you could be presented with a haunting. My exact response it'll be to just taunting in general. Because like if you grew up around it and were just like, oh yeah, that's the ghost in the house, you probably... <laughs> Like, I don't know, would try to communicate with it because it'd be like your best friend or your imaginary friend. That's true. That's like all those creepy kids that communicate with spirits. They were moving in and they were little. If it was like nowadays, I would probably just like try to avoid situations like that if they actually presented themselves. That's a really good way to look at it, I think. Kids would, wouldn't they? Kids are probably. Especially if it was like your invisible friend or something and the parents were like, stop talking to that person. And you are too young and female to join the only entertainment in town, the Liars Club. Yes. (laughs) Men only. The girls named the knock Mr. Splitfoot, which, fun fact, apparently was the nickname for the devil at that time. I've never heard that. And with all the things that we've done with the devil on this podcast, that's never came up. Would that be because he had cloven feet? 
And like, you know, oh. like a, a split in the hoof? Yeah, a split in the foot. Interesting. Yes, I would say most likely, but I cannot confirm or deny it. Later, Mr. Splitfoot became to be known as Charles B. Rosna, a peddler who was murdered five years earlier and buried in the cellar of the house. The neighbors, again, the authority on the haunting, dug up the cellar and found a few pieces of bone and hair, but no missing peddler by the name of Charles B. Rosna was ever identified or any identification for identifying sake. So, worried for the girls growing up in a supernatural house, the parents, who were Methodists, there you go, we used the information we had. That's why it was so integral. <laughs> yes, that's why it was in here. <laughs> they were sent away. Kate to live with their older sister, Leah, as in Leah Fox, and Margaret with her brother, David, as in David Fox, located in Rochester, New York. And Rochester at the time was beginning to be a hotbed for spiritualism. And boy, with that exact proper circumstance, did word spread fast about the happenings of the sisters who are now in Rochester. And not only did the word of their arrival into Rochester spread fast, the wrappings followed them. In Rochester, the girls caught the eye, or interest rather, they probably weren't swingers, of a family friend named Amy and Isaac post who were radical quakers pretty interesting couple actually they were how does one become a radical quaker well i talk about it a little bit okay it's probably based on the beliefs that they held they were kind of interesting because they were leaders in the 19th century anti-slavery and women's right movements okay. and among the first believers in spiritualism so that's probably what makes them radical because of those beliefs in the Okay, it wasn't their mohawks. No. <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure what a Quaker was. Basically, from what I can tell in all my Googling, it was very technical lingo it was using. So what I gather from what I read is that they're Christians who believe that God is in everyone, but don't subscribe to like the ministry or hierarchy or whatever of the church. Like the goings on to the the goings to the church. Yeah, I think that's why you don't see Quaker churches anywhere. Uh, oh, maybe that's why I've never heard of them. They're very quiet. You've heard of it, Quaker Oats. Oh yes, <laughs> I love those. The beliefs, since they're not going to a church or subscribe to that kind of belief, they can vary greatly. Yeah, it's very, it's your relationship with God is personal and it can be very different yeah. from person to person. But one of their big things is that they don't believe in violence. So, like, they can't, they're not supposed to yes. go to war. Yes, exactly. And they also call themselves the Religious Society of Friends. Friends are peaceful people. Check mark, we answered that, kind of, to the best of our ability. Well, least of our ability. So, back to these people. Amy and Isaac Post. They're liking the Fox sisters, and they invite the girls to a gathering at their house. And they're immediately taken by the goings-ons and the wrappings. And it was there that the sisters convinced the Post of their mediumship abilities, answering many of their questions spot on with loud thumps coming from under the floor. The Post spread the word among their radical Quaker friends. Now all I can think is Quaker oats who become the core of spiritualists. And to spread 
spread this word, they rent out a huge venue for the sisters to showcase their abilities. To appease the skeptics, the sisters were first taken to a private room at the venue by Mrs. Post and disrobed and examined, and they turned up clean of props and anything else that may explain the noises, adding to their credibility. Now, I want to ask you at this point, what do you think about what's happening right now? The wrappings, like the thumps. I find it odd when you talk about paranormal interactions today it's very rare that you actually hear mm -hmm. about knocking as something that you yeah. try to do that's in fact a bigfoot thing that you do now it's true the tree so knocking. mayhaps mr <laughs> splitfoot was a bigfoot this whole time True. It's interesting that you say split foot as if it's a spirit that followed them and they're working with him. Do you think that's what's going on? Well, I kind of know how this story ends or at least how I've... I didn't. Oh. So I, I knew of the Fox sisters and I knew that they had a major role with... Popularizing seances. Seances yeah. and spiritualism. Yeah. But it's always knocking. There's not a lot of other things that come up with them. Yeah. I didn't know that it was knocking and I was like, hmm, that's weird. You don't really hear of mediums working that way nowadays. I can't imagine being like, I want to go to the seance where these people communicate with spirits through knocking. Weird. We go on from here. November 14th, 1849, the sisters demonstrated their mediumship, or whatever their rapping talent was called, at the Corinthian Hall in Rochester, New York. The first public demonstration of spiritualism ever in the world. Maybe. I don't know. It was held before the paying public, the first of a ton to follow. This obviously is the beginning of their rise to fame and attracts attention from all over the place, especially of seer slash spiritualist Andrew Jackson Davis, for one, who wanted to witness the Fox sisters' gifts for himself, so he brought them to New York from Rochester. And with the support from this dude, the Fox sisters explode for not only the sisters, but also spiritualism in general. And that year, which is 1849, they were told by someone to hold public demonstrations to spread the word of spiritualism. In 1950, the year later, they start hosting seances in the Barnum Hotel in New York with both invited and paid guests and sessions were available 10 a.m., 5 p.m., and 8 p.m. for a dollar. In between were private sessions. That seems awfully huh. steep Andrew for Jackson the time. Davis $1. seems like an interesting guy in his own right. Yeah, I didn't really look into him because this is on the Fox system. Yeah, he's, he's a famous spiritualist of the day. He is, yeah. And in the future, it might be something for us to delve into spiritualism because there's apparently a lot in that and the rise to it, which kind of I saw a little bit of in reading this, but this is the Fox yeah. Sisters. Not also, the most famous picture of Andrew Jackson Davis. I had to look it up to see if he was related to the president, Andrew Jackson. Apparently yeah. not. He is the son of a shoemaker, had basically no education. And most importantly, the most famous picture of him up there is him with an Amish beard. Yes. Yes, I've seen that picture. It's pretty nice, yeah. isn't it? It's almost as if that beard is strapping his hair down to his head. <laughs> if we know anything, it's that that's what those beards are for. Yeah. <laughs> they're hosting all these sessions and they're attracting people, not only Andrew Jackson Davis at this point, they're attracting people from near and far for these sessions, including editors for publishing and the newspaper industry. And some notable, but not really notable to me because I did not recognize these names. But at the time, I'm sure they were very notable people, which included William Cullen Bryant, George Bancroft, James 
Fenimore Cooper, Nathaniel Parker Willis, Horace Greeley, Sojourner Truth, and William Lloyd Garrison. Did you recognize any of those people? No, somebody's name is Sojourner. Sojourner. Like S-O-G-O-U-R-N-E-R. S-O-J. Yeah. I get my J's and G's mixed up as well. (laughs) Yeah, like sojourn Sojourn is like a, it's a legal term for like going on an adventure more or less. Like a sojourn is to like go, go about. Okay, so that's weird that his name is Sojourner Truth. I guess he's a walker in truth or something (laughs) like that. That is a weird name. That is a weird name now that you say that that's an actual term. Yeah, like um, it it comes up in tax implications for like, as if you sojourn to another (laughs) country. Weird. <laughs> Maybe po- we'll probably never look into that again. This oh. is all you're saying. <laughs> With all these notable people coming to the seances, this boosts their fame even more. And they are exploding mediums at this point. Everybody's heard of the Fox sisters, especially with how popular seances are. So not only were the notable coming out of the woodwork to go to their seances, so were imitators, obviously hoping for a slice of the pie. Hundreds of people were now claiming to be mediums and hosting their own seances. I think at this point we need to go over maybe what a seance is. I mean, we can't just say there's been seances in Beetlejuice and have that be it. Some people might not know what a seance is or seen Beetlejuice. Or a Beetlejuice, yeah, I guess. We can't say that name one more time. No. So We're done for the episode, sorry guys. Yeah, we're done for the episode. No more talking about the B word. A seance, seance, the word, is derived from... We're going into this. The French word for seat slash session and came into popularity in America in the mid 1800s around this exact time frame the Fox sisters are operating in. Spiritualism was super popular and gaining traction with popular figures. HPB, for example, because apparently that's the only example of spiritualism I know how to give at this point. Maybe once we talk about more people. We can give more examples like the Fox sisters. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to say now. We can use the Fox Sisters. It is a meeting of people who are gathered to receive messages from ghosts or to listen to a spirit medium discourse with or relay messages from spirits. A seance can be any type of gathering, such as what the Fox Sisters are doing. They're doing readings in front of an audience, much like you see some mediums doing now, just without the rapping. I always think of a seance, which is the way it's portrayed in pop culture now, of everyone gathered around a table, like holding hands while a medium attempts to contact dead spirits with a crystal ball. That's kind of how I look at it. Ectoplasm coming out of their mouth, you know, the usual. So Chelsea, I'm just at this point have a question. This would distinctly have a different root word than the name Sean, despite being like one spelling of it being the first four letters of seance. Yes. Lest we call them shants instead of seances. Or call these people seon from now on. (laughs) What an interesting addition to this. I just needed to make that point. (laughs) I'm glad it came up. I don't know. So they're all the rage at the time. And as we just learned now, the root word of where the name Sean came from. Say (laughs) all. So back to the story. With all of this happening, Kate and Margarita, 
Margareta. I can't Marge. decide on how to. Yeah, Marge. That's better. I don't like Margaret because that's not her name. Marge works better. As I've said many times now, are well-known mediums. I mean, here we are in 2023, still talking about them, and they were giving seances by the hundreds. Thousands, maybe. Selling out venues, stadiums full of people. Well, that's probably an elaboration, but rich and famous mediums. Rooms full of people. Yeah, rooms at least. And they're giving advice on love affairs, the state of the railway, all the popular things to be asking about at the times. I'm just curious, when they're doing that, they're giving their opinions on this. Is it them saying that the spirits told them this, or do they, like, knock it out? Yeah, it's the wrappings that are Okay, and then they're interpreting the knockings, okay. Yeah, because they Because it would be people asking questions at the seance and they'd be knocking back and they'd interpret it. Yeah, and from how it was put to me in my research, how I interpreted it, let's say, I feel like the neighbors came up with the system of how to figure out what the knockings were saying because the neighbors were called in. Maybe the neighbors knew Morse. I don't know if it's Morse code, to be honest with you. Or is this where Morse code came from? No, I think a guy named Morse is where Morse code came from. (laughs) I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Morse. And so far, I have not seen a Morse in this story, so. No, I can tell you there's not that guy in this story. Okay, with their rise to fame, they're going on tour. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia. The Fox sisters' work resulted in making spiritualism a trend. I cannot tell you enough how popular seances are and the trend of spiritualism at the time, apparently. As well, seances and mediumship rose in controversy as well. And we'll get into that in a few minutes, maybe. I don't know how long it'll take. Obviously, since there was such an explosion and popularity it inspired those to practice mediumship as well because i mean the fox sisters are making so much money you may want to wait until that dog stops i don't know when the dog will stop (laughs) can we interpret this in morse code it could be morse code yes (laughs) he could know what we're talking about and have something to say it's got to tell us about the trains Since there was such an explosion in popularity, it inspired those to also practice mediumship as well. You know, make a profit off of it as well. The Fox sisters are doing quite well for themselves. This includes Victoria Claffin Woodhall, who was a... Damn it. This includes... Damn it. <laughs> this includes Victoria Claffin Woodhall, who was a leader of the women's... <laughs> that dog hates that name. <laughs> who was a leader of the women's suffrage movement and was the first woman to run for president in 1872. The sisters also ultimately led to the formation of cultists and pseudo-religious crusading. I don't really know what that means, but we'll continue. The Paris Review stated, quote, From the Fox sisters, the phenomenon of spiritualism emerged not as some shadowy occult practice or roadside attraction, but as an exciting way of reconciling the ineffable mysteries of the soul with the complex realities of a modern, rapidly industrializing nation, end quote. We can also credit the Fox sisters' with the future spiritualist peeps such as Edgar Casey and even Houdini, also an enemy of mediums. Yeah, he a hated, sworn he enemy hated of mediums. He did hate them with a passion. But without them, Houdini wouldn't have had anybody to hate. So and go on a yeah, crusade. Where would he have addressed all that rage? <laughs> exactly. 
I'm completely paraphrasing all of this because I don't believe it is the most important part of the Fox sister history, but eventually they get married, they get out of the spiritualism community and eventually become widows and die with alcohol problems and in poverty. That's really the gist of it, at least. I didn't really want to focus on that because there's much bigger and greater things to talk about. That's and the not fun part. Yeah, that's all you really need to know. I don't want to go into any more detail than that. It's just a waste of my breath, really. If you want to know more, just go look into it. Just read the last like, three paragraphs the of the Wikipedia page. Yeah. So that's the story of the Fox sisters and how they got to being so well known that we're talking about them on this podcast. Now, of course, I need to address the non-believers. This part is often overlooked when you listen to anything about the Fox sisters. A lot of articles you'll read about them completely leave this part out from the non-believers who were questioning the authenticity of them. The physician E.P. Longworthy investigated the sisters and noted how the knocking or wraps always came from under their feet and when their dresses were in contact with the table. He concluded that Marge and Kate had produced these noises themselves. He thought that it was clear that this was a result of cracking joints. And I must say, I have heard joints Those are some pretty and... brittle joints, if you can do that. Yes, not only brittle, but they're specifically referred to as wrappings. And when I think wrapping, I don't think of like knuckles cracking. No, I think of a door. I would be very creeped out if I would hear... Yeah, you just push down your fingers and people think that there's somebody at the door. I would be so creeped out if I heard that. If I asked a question to a medium and you just like hear a joint cracking, that would be so creepy and disgusting. If somebody providing a seance was like cracking their fingers and you're hearing that and you're like, are you just cracking your fingers? They're like, no, 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 that's, yeah. that's the ghost <laughs> rapping on things. I would probably <laughs> want to believe that it was the ghost because that's so weird if it's... That's true. It is the 1800s hundreds maybe joints cracking sound different in this time I don't well, and it's just you want to believe that it's not just a seance person cracking or not true knuckles. you want to believe so bad i just i i can't i can't get behind it for some reason i just think that is the most bizarre explanation but it goes on it's more than ep john w hearn who publishes articles in the new york tribune agreed the reverend john m austin would later claim the noises could be made by cracking toe joints. Oh, this is a different reverend. Reverend D. Potts demonstrated to an audience that the wraps could be made by this method, which just like we said before, disturbing you. I just can't. I feel like depending on the wrapping, of course, this would not be what I would immediately accuse someone of doing. Like these people, they're immediately like, that's cracking joints. That's it. Yeah. It's fake. Although if this were the case too, that backstory really confuses me. Like I guess they just kind of needed to make up a backstory about it but was the kid accidentally cracking their knuckles like as a child playing alone and they're like oh a ghost is communicating with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we will talk the neighbors about came over and explained the situation and they're like no no but i like that story <laughs> yeah. let's use it as much as i love spoiler alerts we will talk about it oh the ghost um, isn't just up. in the house it follows me everywhere <laughs> yeah 
along with my knuckle cracking that you are so stupid to think that is a spirit just makes no sense to me but anyhow as much not sense as it makes to me there are other people in agreement with proof I just can't get behind this it's so weird in 1851 mrs. Norman Culver a relative of the Fox family admitted in a signed statement that she had assisted them during their seances by touching them to indicate when the rap should be made. She Wait, also claimed they didn't know. I thought they're just like they're in the seance. Wouldn't they just know? <laughs> She also claimed that Kate and Marge revealed to her the method of producing the wraps by snapping their toes and using their knees and ankles. This is bleh. Okay, quick question. I need some legal advice. If I just write something out, like an accusation, like, for instance, loud toe knuckle cracking, let's say, yeah. and I sign it, this makes it truth, right? By the power invested in me? No. I mean, <laughs> sure. You can say it's true. Yeah, and then sign it. That makes it true. No, I think you're thinking of like an affidavit where you get somebody with a legal certification to certify that you're telling the truth or that you sign this saying that it's the truth. But you just okay. signing something doesn't mean it's true. So this may not necessarily be true because she just signed a statement and said... Well, if it's an affidavit, that's true. <laughs> well, she's she at least firm. It, okay. So I feel like it's not an affidavit. Okay. Okay, it's cleared up. It's not legally binded by Mrs. Norman Culver. Yeah, but like, there's just no like, it's not perjury to lie just like right something down and sign it <laughs> okay so there's no legal consequences for her she's lying, lying. no <laughs> okay so the nonsense goes on 1851 the reverend there's lots of reverends at this time as well i wonder if that's also a craze around this time <laughs> reverend c chauncey burr wrote in the new york tribune that by cracking toe joints the sounds were so loud they could be heard in a large hall also disturbing there's just a lot of disturbing details in this that just it seems to be building that this is what it is at this point pretending as if I don't know how this ends and I just don't know without proof at this point how so much is building behind this because I just feel like this is the last thing I would ever did you find any videos on YouTube of like people showing what the sound would be like because there's a lot of people saying they've given examples but it, it seems like so long ago there wouldn't be a video of it but are there YouTube videos of this what? I don't know what would you google to find a YouTube video of this loud toe cracking medium maybe maybe we'll put a clip here we gotta find maybe something we won't yeah <laughs> maybe we'll just record some knuckle cracking but i feel like that wouldn't do that wouldn't be heard in a large hall Ugh, gross the same year three investigators austin flint charles e lee and cb coventry from the university of buffalo examined the wraps produced by the sisters and concluded they were produced by cracking their bone joints knees, ankles, or hips from a control. They discovered the wraps did not occur. The sisters were placed on a couch with cushions under their feet. It goes on. 1853, Charles Grafton Page investigates the sisters. He is a patent claim examiner with an eye for fraud, and he used his skills to expose some of the deceptions of the Fox sisters during the sessions he attended. Again, he noticed the wrappings came from under the girls' dresses. When he asked if the spirits could produce a sound at a distance from their own body, bodies, one girl climbed into a wardrobe closet where her dress touched the wood once the sound transmitted into the wood plank. However, she was unable to control the sound sufficiently to produce spirit communications. Page devised contraptions that emulated the 
clicking sounds produced by the girls, which could be concealed under long clothing. He declaimed the girls' means of hiding the bodily examination that would expose their fraud. It is convenient for the day that women had to wear such layers like of clothes. Dresses and yeah. conceal everything that they really could do whatever they wanted and even like who's going to inspect them that is unproper of a gentleman or gentle lady to like inspect but they somebody did say before the first one that they ever did with the post that they had been inspected yeah inspected them to make sure they didn't but have I, anything. I would be curious like how thorough are you going to inspect for that day true I mean, if they're inspecting for, like, inflamed joints because of cracking, yeah. I mean, that can easily okay. be overlooked. Yeah, there's no machines. Your feet are really weird, but no machines. <laughs> like, so weird. So he says this about their fraud. The feminine security of these wrappers against the inspection of their actual Quomodo. This is a quote after all. I wouldn't just use the word Quomodo. I continue on with the quote here. If by search warrant, stratagem, or V at Armis, the wrapping instrument of these fox girls has been exposed to the public, there would not have been one doubt about the nature and origin of the spiritual communications. That's what the claim examiner said. In 1857, the Boston Courier set up a prize of $500 to any medium who could demonstrate a paranormal ability to their committee. The Fox sisters made an attempt and were investigated by a committee which included the magician John Wyman. The committee concluded that the wraps were produced by bone and feet movements and thus the Fox sisters failed the challenge. A report by the Siebert Commission in 1887 stated that after investigating various mediums including Marge, the phenomena could have easily been produced by fraudulent methods. The report noted that the raps were heard close to Marge and the seance sitter. Professor Furness had felt pulsations in her foot. This goes on and on with people investigating this very claim. I could go on, but I would just be repeating myself with different names of people investigating. Nobody even ever asked them, even at this performance, hey, can you just do the seance with your dresses three inches higher? Like, that was too yeah, scandalous like to do. Yeah, so we can see your feet. Again, I'm just mind blown that nobody else put forth any It's other... always the same thing, yeah. <laughs> but any other sort of, like, claim of fraud, it's like... And they all seem to like... independently be coming to this conclusion, too. I know! It's so weird! I think it's so weird. I'm just, like, mind blown. Like, they say it, too? That it's racking of joints? I I'm just like, what? Kate was one of the mediums examined by William Crook, the prominent physicist between 18 71 and 74, who concluded the raps were genuine. However, Crooks was described as being a gullible person, and the mediums he investigated were caught using trickery. So, the one person that I write about that's like, yeah, he's not the one person. Obviously, they rose to fame because people believed in what they were doing. Anyhow, my next part of the story. I guess at this point you're wondering, Chelsea, tell us the truth. Is this real? We're just talking a lot about joints cracking. Surely it can't be just joints cracking with all these people talking about it being joints Completely cracking. Completely independently. Exactly. I don't believe it. Anyhow, then I wrote this point. At the end of it all, the sisters got into a little bit of a fight and eager to harm the older sister, Leah, as much as possible. She was the manager. The two sisters traveled to New York 
York City where a reporter offered them $1,500 if they would expose their methods and give him an exclusive on the story. Marge appeared publicly at the New York Academy of Music October 21st, 1888. Kate was present as well. Lo and behold, Marge and Catherine, Kate, were behind everything after all in the statement that they made they were paid for. Let's remember that. And they used rappings like knocking. I guess at this point I should clarify that it's not like fast rhymes to sick beats to convince their older sister to fool, apparently. It was like knocking. I should have put that at the beginning. Just so that we're all on the same page. This is 1888, correct? Yeah. $1,500 and $1,888 is the equivalent of about $41,000 in 2023. Yeah, so it's a lot. So let's remember that. So they use the rappings to convince convinced their older sister, the fool apparently, that they were communicating with spirits. Yes. Well, more specifically, Margaret confessed that the wrappings were a hoax and revealed the magic trick. The Magician's Alliance would not be happy about that. Yeah, but she's not in the Magician Alliance. She's her own thing. Exactly. She's a medium. <laughs> Maybe she's immune from the Magician Alliance because she's medium. She's part of the Medium Alliance. And they're frauds. Before an audience of 2,000 people, Marge demonstrated how she could produce, at will, raps audible throughout the theater. Doctors from the audience came on stage to verify that the cracking of her toe joints were the source of the sound. Marge told her story of the origins of the mysterious wrappings in a signed confession, again, signed, given to the press and published in New York World October 21st, 1888. In it, she explained the Hydesville events. She did try to recant her confession about a year later, but the damage was already done, obviously. Less than five years later, all the Fox sisters were dead. Not sure if there's any correlation there or not, but you must have all the information. Magicians got him. Yep. <laughs> Remember the house that they lived in? Marge had this to say about the knocking sounds and the bones found in the house. Quote, when we went to bed at night, we used to tie an apple to a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound. Mother listening to this for a time. She would not understand it and did not suspect us as being capable of a trick because we were so young, end quote. Now, I feel like if it was an apple dropping on the floor, you would be like, that sounds like something being dropped on the floor. Something, yeah, like an apple. Not like I feel like people have dropped apples on the floor. Yes, it's not a new thing to this time. Like, literally none of this is adding up to me to be, like, fool this many people. But I don't know. She had seven kids. I don't know yeah, if she had a true. lot of personal time to think about it's these true. noises. <laughs> That's true. They, the neighbors that is, were convinced that someone had been murdered in the house. They asked the spirits through us about it and we would wrap one for the spirit answer yes and three as we did afterward. Not three as we did afterward. The murder they concluded must have been committed in the house. They were over the whole surrounding country trying to get the names of people who had formerly lived in the house. Finally, they found a man by the name of Bell and they said that this poor innocent man had committed a murder in the house and that the noises had 
had come from the spirit of the murdered person. Poor Belle was shunned and looked upon the whole community as a murderer. <laughs> Never did comment on the furniture moving about, so that may have been an actual haunted. We don't know. Lots of stuff coming out here. She went on. She said, Mrs. Underhill, the eldest sister, took Katie and me to Rochester. There it was that we discovered a new way to make the wraps because apples were no longer an option. Yeah, they can find apples. They knew what apples dropping on the ground sounded like. You can be inspected for apples. (laughs) They may have tried. And the sister was like, that was an apple on the ground. My sister Katie was the first to observe that by swishing her fingers she could produce certain noises with her knuckles and joints and that the same effect could be made with the toes. Okay, let me try it. (laughs) Does that sound like (laughs) rapping? I don't get it. I don't get it. Again, we have other (laughs) things to entertain ourselves. Yeah, if you just... I'm not going to do that for more than 20 seconds before I'm like, hey, there's probably something on YouTube that's way more entertaining than this. And how do you do that without, like, pushing the joints? I don't get it. So they find, or this is still the quote. I'm not talking about it. Finding that we can make wraps with our feet, first with one foot and then with both, we practice until we could do this easily when the room was dark. Like most perplexing things we made clear, it is astonishing how easily it is done. Wrapping is simply the result of perfect control of the muscles of the leg below the knee, which govern the tendons of the foot and allow the action of the toe and ankle bones that are not commonly known. Such perfect control is only possible when the child is taken at an early age and carefully and continually taught to practice the muscles, which grow stiffer in later years. This, then, is the simple explanation of the whole method of the knocks and wraps. She also wrote, quote, A great many people, when they hear the rapping, imagine at once that the spirits are touching them. It is a very common delusion. Some very wealthy people came to see me some years ago when I lived in 42nd Street and did some rappings for them. I meet the spirit rap on the chair and one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping me on the shoulder. Of course, it was pure imagination. So that's the Fox sisters. And to end the episode, I will leave you with some powering words from the sister from the sisters i don't think that's a word i will leave you with some words from the sisters parting words is that what you meant parting it is that was a me spelling error i will leave you with some parting words from the sisters Quote, that I have been chiefly instrumental in perpetuating the fraud of spiritualism upon a too confiding public, most of you doubtless know. This greatest sorrow in my life has been that this is true. And though it has come late in my day, I am now prepared to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing about the truth, so help me God. I am here tonight as one of the founders of spiritualism to denounce it as an absolute falsehood from beginning to end, as the flimsiest of superstitions, the most wicked blasphemy known to the world, end quote. Margarita Marge Fox Kane quoted in A.B. Davenport, The Death Blow to Spiritualism, page 76. And from Kate Fox Jenkin, quoted in the New York Herald, October 9th, 1888, quote, I regard spiritualism as one of the greatest curses that the world has ever known, <laughs> end quote. I take no responsibility <laughs> for it. <laughs> yes. And that's it. That's what we have on the Fox Sisters. Huh. That took me on a journey. I'm honestly even I'm that not last sure. little bit. I was unaware that they like fully had statements of like, oh yeah, this is all fake. Yeah, but I'm torn on it. I really am because 
It's a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash, especially at the time. And I don't know that I am buying that this is just cracking of joints. And to me, a lot of people came out and were like, clearly it's the cracking of joints. And they were offered money, like a lot of money to come out and say this. I can't say but like, that- They, with this money, were able to reproduce the sound, right? True. I have yeah. to assume they're like, and by the way, this is the sound I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume that it was included. It wasn't just a statement. They do say that the doctor comes up and is like, yep, that's the sound. So there's that. I don't know. I'm just like really cracking of joints. That's what that was. Yeah, I know. And like we've said in many of these episodes, when we actually look into these stories, Stories of extraordinality. It's fairly <laughs> banal and quite terrible answers that you end up coming to. That is the one thing that we always come up with on this podcast. <laughs> Prepare to be disappointed. Yes, and on this one, it is the cracking of joints behind yeah. it all. The um, entire seance industry depended on arthritis yes, from an early it's childhood. True. It's true. And they were horribly disfigured under their dresses. So that's the episode. The only question I have then, so they entirely made up that there was a history of hauntings in their house, right? Because we started out the story saying that they had moved into what was known as a haunted house. Yes. And they did have a seer kind of bloodline to their family. So I think they just took it and ran with it. From what I could tell, though, the house did have a reputation of being haunted around the time. And they just used that to their advantage. Okay. Because they did also say, like I said, that furniture moved around, but it never made another appearance other than the wrappings. I think that really was what caught the attention. Yeah. That they could communicate with. So, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for disappointing <laughs> us in yet a unique and different You're way welcome. from the last time, Chelsea. It won't be the last. I look forward to being disappointed even more in the future. Yes, yes of course. But in the meantime, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey <laughs> to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Hey.